and welcome to Stay Street Jason, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, joined as always by my friend and my co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Justin. I'm uh, just recovered from putting up the Christmas lights. Ho, ho, ho. Bah humbug. No, oh, no, Christmas hasn't got to Canada yet. Actually, you know, it was, it's an interesting Christmas this year. We, wh- I went out yesterday to a little craft market just up the hill from us a little bit. They have a uh, Kettle Valley or steam train. Mm, cool. Which is an old choo-choo train. And uh, I may have shown you pictures or videos of this in the past. It goes along the mountainside over by my house. And I could be sitting here working and all of a sudden I hear this. And there's this old train putting along. It's a little tourist attraction now. They had a lovely little Christmas market for the local artisans. And uh, I went up there on my own. My wife had a rough day, day after chemo yesterday. So sure, she wasn't going out, but uh, it was very nice. It was very Christmassy. There was lots of little tastings of ciders and wines and fruit wines. It made it a very, very Christmassy thing. We haven't got anything up here yet. I don't have any outdoor lights for the new house. And I'm not even sure where my Christmas tree is. I think it's in the garage tucked under boxes that I haven't yet unpacked. So mm-hmm. we'll get there sometime. But your yours yours is looking lovely. And only a little drop of blood spilled. <laughs> outdoor lights, big fat man, ladder. I mean, you know, I'm alive. I think we're going to take that. It's good. There was the trace of a smile from the current Mrs. Lennon when she came home from work. She, she's gone out again now. So when she comes home soon, probably in the middle of recording, given that she's my wife, she will get the full impact of, we, we have a sort of um, a waterfall of lights from the balcony and she'll be driving up towards them. That'll be very exciting, um, I hope. Lovely. Uh, do you have these on one of your new electronic devices that controls when it goes off and when it goes on and you know your your siri uh from your home pods no that that's i'm sure controlling these and telling them when to turn on the uh both of those devices the home pods are on the naughty step um i to the extent that i went and dug out technology from 2013 <laughs> To put wow. next to my my HomePods, so that I could do those really high level faluting things that I like to do through a speaker system. You know, listen to things, that sort of stuff. HomePods not going well for you then, huh? Oh, they are a nonsense. I mean, it's close to fraud. I mean, I bought a HomePod just over a year ago, so it's out of warranty. I would imagine, mm-hmm. um, maybe eighteen months ago, to to make my stereo pair and well as a stereo pair it doesn't function as a pair of speakers if anybody else in the world sold it to me i would be able to to find them up and say remove these things they're useless and give me my money back absolutely i just think apple should be ashamed they want to make a car they can't even make a speaker system useless i'm thinking this car is going to be self-driving no steering wheel is what the rumors are can you imagine that with the current state of airplay anybody that has used any of apple's digital assistant i mean honestly you would say turn left and then you'd end up in albuquerque or something i mean it's just nonsense utter nonsense they are on a fast track to blowing up apple you heard it here first i i would say oh maybe maybe five to ten years they'll be in bits I think somebody might have uh, said the same thing in the 90s, and they might have been a little bit closer then. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, they're, they're, you know, I honestly think they're in trouble. They are turning around and they are abusing their customers now. Mm. You can't sell people expensive kit and then say, oh, yeah, it doesn't work. Sorry. You you just can't do that. (laughs) I would like to introduce the butterfly keyboard as exhibit A. (laughs) <laughs> exactly and you know i think what's happening is and it doesn't show in the figures yet so wall street's delighted and let's face it wall street's essentially stupid and so if you're following wall street you are stupid don't do it there you go that's free advice but the the trust in the brand is being undermined all the time so 
if you want Apple because you want to get geeky with your IT and stuff, that's great. It's fun. You can play with it. And there's some beautiful, wonderful design elements. And then they come out with some great things like these chips. But when it comes to actually putting products in front of you, the ops guy's in charge. Margin is the key, key driver. And they, having pushed all these items out, they've started going wrong to the extent that even Apple fan podcasts are calling them out now and saying, hang on, these really expensive things that I've got don't work. You, you, you can't keep doing that. And then turn around and say, oh, um, buy our driverless car. It'll be great. People will just go, what? No. No, under no circumstances am I putting my children's life in the hands of you, mob. Yeah, it's an, inter- it's an interesting dichotomy. I think in some ways they have the best products that they've ever released. And in other ways, they've gone backwards. I, and it reminds me that Apple, as much as they always think they're on a one-year cycle, they're really on a two- or three-year cycle. One is they upgrade things, they break it, and then for the next two years, they try to fix it. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. You know, AirPlay 2 is in that point of they introduced it, and now they're scrambling trying to fix it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not even sure that they see it as the priority that we do. Well, I'm assuming that it all links into the the most trumpeted feature of uh, Monterey was the whole remote control thing. So you'd be typing away on one device, and you could just seamlessly move across to the other. Um, and that was in the video. You and I watched it together in the keynote. Um, it's like, okay, wow, this is cool. This is great. Um, but it doesn't work and it's not been shipped. And a key part of that, I think is airplay two. Mm-hmm. So trying to make all that work and pushing out updates all the time, they're breaking every other element of airplay two. So you've got speakers or I've got speakers that make loud, loud popping sounds that, you know, they sound like a speaker blowing. It isn't the speaker blowing, I think, but it sounds like it. You've got stereo dropping, one pod turning off, one coming on, one coming on at a different place in a podcast to the other one so that you're out of sync, them just not working mysteriously. Whenever you turn them on, you have to then turn them on again 10 seconds later. I I literally have a Sonos Play 3 from 2013. I've plugged it in next to it, and the one concession I had to make, because that these were pre-airplay, (laughs) they're so old they're pre-airplay but to make it work from my device i have to use the sonos app which um will link with pocket casts which is not a podcast app that i use i thought okay i'll give it a go um and it's perfect it's flawless interesting took me 15 seconds to install it boom works i see you're thinking about uh, upgrading to some other speakers the audio engines yeah, I mean, uh, again, born out of the frustration of of not being able to get my HomePods to play me loud stereo music. It's Friday afternoon. I've just put my Christmas lights up. I want to have Christmas music. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm completely at the whim of whether these HomePods want to work. I'm just like, this is nonsense. I don't accept this. When I was back in the UK, um, it, was, it became a Nero's Notes tradition on a Friday afternoon. Um, I had a big... I had Wharfdale diamond speakers. Now there you go. There's a blast from the past. <laughs> oh, lovely. Um, and a and a big um, turntable. And you know, I would get some vinyl on and you know shake the windows uh, on a Friday afternoon. Maybe even have a glass of scotch. Surely not. And I was just thinking that's kind of what I want to do now. And that's why I bought a second HomePod because I wanted a stereo pair. Small office, yeah, that'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're Apple. And if Apple makes speakers, you can't expect them to play music reliably. For heaven's sake. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a challenge. Mm. So you're, you're heading towards uh, or looking at these audio engines. Yeah. Which are, are lovely speakers. But I'm surprised that you're going wireless again with all the problems you're having. Um, My... I mean, I've only just started looking and my first thinking was that these can be wireless or wired. Mm. So, uh, to a certain extent, it sort of gave me the best of both worlds. I mean, there's no doubt the way my office is configured, 
uh, setting up a wired stereo system would be awkward. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to have to start running cables places that I want to run cables. So I would like uh, some sort of wireless to work. And like, what I'm struggling to understand is if Sonos could make it work in 2013, what's gone wrong? What's happened in the world that's made it completely impossible for the biggest company in the world to play music out of a wireless speaker? I mean, why should that be so complicated, Justin? <laughs> Honestly. It, it shouldn't. And I've got to say that the HomePods have gotten progressively worse. And, and these new highfalutin HomePod minis are just as bad as the old ones. A little bit faster to yeah. tell you that they've got a problem, but sure. the problems are there. It's, it's not old technology. You know, there's an argument that the HomePods are a number of years old. Mm. They're slow, yada, yada, yada. But I, I use the HomePod minis regularly because they're on my desk for, they're, they're my podcasting airplay. Yeah, I have one in the kitchen. All of the problems that you say, I have the same problems. Mm. I actually have, well, I have problems, but I have probably more stable problems on the big home parts than I do the little ones. Yeah. I mean, I have fewer problems on the little ones because I only have one. So there's no stereo pairing issue. Mm. Um, but even then, you know, I'll turn a podcast on and it stops. I'll be playing music and I'll do the whole transfer from the phone thing. And the, uh, other people have spoken to this, but there's the, the inconsistency. So am I playing from my phone to the home pod? Because at some point the home pod takes over mm-hmm. thereby sort of releasing the phone from its duties, but the whole thing then gets it out of sync. So you'll try and stop music on your phone and nothing happens and you have to speak directly to the pod. Just, oh, really? Anyway, so yes, I've been looking at speakers, but I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that just a little bit of festive cheer and some, well, watching TV, which doesn't have any of uh, this company's stuff in, oh, it does actually, but anyway. Um, I'm, Apple TV? Mm, yes, there is one of those on there. <laughs> but hopefully things will calm down a little and they, they will get their act together and I won't need to go out and buy speakers. Because I avoided getting a big sort of audio rig for, for Cypress just because it's so hot. You know, vinyl out here is, you know, you have to start air conditioning rooms to keep your vinyl in. Just far too much hassle. Oh, things that you don't have to think about in Canada. Yeah, <laughs> I guess not. You've probably got the opposite problem. We'll get brittle and shatter. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not on the inside of the house, otherwise I'm in trouble. Oh. I, I think I'm more brittle perhaps than the vinyl. <laughs> well, the current Mrs. Lennon is currently reversing the car into the carport, so the dogs are now very excited, oh. and she will creep in and try and remove them in a minute, and that should be entertaining. <sighs> the things we have to put up with, honestly. My fussy editor won't be happy. <laughs> do you have a tool of the week, Stu? I don't see anything in the show notes. Oh, do you, no, I don't think I did put anything in the show notes. I know I was looking at yours, because I've, I've, I've been there, but we'll talk about that in a moment. My tool of the week has probably been the good old-fashioned notebook. Um, I've just been, the last couple of days, doing a lot of work with meetings where I've been, you know, the ever-present Zoom meetings, where I sort of fly through notebooks. And uh, I'm reaching the end of the daily driver, which is great news for me because it means to get, I get to pick a new one. And this one is, that's just finishing, I'm just pulling it out there. This is, I don't know if you've seen one of these. This is the Rodia Gold book. Yes. So Rodia's answer to the sort of bullet journal. And it's, look, it's vellum paper that loves big, broad nibs. Mm-hmm. It's going to be my thing, isn't it? Um, and I've got, what's I got? Maybe four or five spreads left. So yeah, that that's literally a couple of days for me. Next week, this will be getting changed out, which means I get to open up my box of notebooks. Lovely. Um, and, and work out where to go next and be very exciting. I think I've, I've got an idea where I may go, but I'll probably save that for next week. Okay, cool. What about you? What's your tool of the week? My tool of the week is Fantastical. I've been on a bit of a journey trying to figure out calendar apps. I'm, I'm trying to get into a little more digital time blocking, put things on the calendar that become a little bit harder, you know, serious commitments. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of that is because of all of the 
commitments that I have to the family at the moment with my wife's appointments and all the rest of that, mm-hmm. I find that it's very easy to get sort of sidetracked on a, on a daily list. You make a list and then all of a sudden you've got something that may take this long or it may take this long or this sort of a nebulous end at the end of it. What I really want to do is try to figure out some way of time blocking that that becomes digital. Ideally, I'd like there, there isn't the application that I'd like where I can put a schedule down and I can revise it as I go and then I can compare what I originally thought to what really happened and then track that into my time tracking. But I've tried a couple of apps. Um, the default Apple calendar is a little clunky, mm. especially when you're dealing with shared family calendars and family that use those, uh, it becomes very noisy very quickly. I was using BusyCal, which is included in the set app um, application for a while. And all that seemed to do was add extra noise. It didn't really give me what I'm looking at. I've kind of been holding off on Fantastical. Uh, because it's a subscription service and it isn't a cheap one. Mm-hmm. It's about uh, dollars $60, I think, including tax per year yep. Canadian, which is not an inexpensive, if, if it's something that doesn't add a lot of value. Uh, I'm not sure that it makes a lot of sense for me. Uh, but I went on their two-week trial and I'm surprisingly happy with it. One of the things I really love about it is on the left side of the column is basically your daily work. So you're looking at your calendar spread, whether it's day, week, month. I like to keep mine in a week. That way I can see what's coming up. But on the left, it gives you a list of all of the things that are coming in a sequential order, Mm -hmm. which is lovely to see. And for time blocking. There's lots of views on that. Yeah. It's really nice. You can customize it. I can customize which views I see. So for example, if I don't want to see the family calendar because it's noisy, I can turn that off. And I, I'm really quite impressed with it. I, I'm going to actually pay the money for it. Um, and it's been a very, very good tool for me. And you would think that it's not going to be much different. And the differences are somewhat minor. The, the way that you use this, the way that I use this, is so much easier and more frictionless. And that has a value to it that I can put into monetary terms and pay for it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I used fantastical for, oh, I don't know, a year, maybe two. I will, I'm, I'm not a huge sort of, oh, it's a subscription. I must turn it off. But I think, I think the price is probably about right because <laughs> it's just on that balancing point that makes me go, mm, is it, is it really worth that? Because as you say, the, the, the changes are quite small. The, the nuance is there. So you've got sort of natural language entry, um, much more customizable views. Sync seems to be a lot better than the, the Apple one. But I got to a point where I found that, um, what did I do? I think I migrated away to another third party calendar, actually, probably, um, time page by, uh, Moleskine. Um, which has got some wonderful feet. I mean, it's beautiful for a start, but it just, when you get to sort of month views or anything sort of bigger than that, it, it falls over. And I think I've arrived at a point where actually I probably need three calendar apps <laughs> because there are little bits from each that I think are fabulous. And nearly all of them work off you know, basic system calendars anyway, whether they be Google or Apple. And for me at the moment, what I'm really discovering is thinking about how I use a calendar is more important than the app in which I do it. And once I've got that sorted, then I think I'll be closer to choosing. I'm using at the moment Apple's um, one, as you say, I've got different sets so I can sort of turn off my wife's calendar, which she has this incredible habit of putting everything as a recurring event. <laughs> um, to the extent, you know, she books all of her appointments in advance and beauty appointments and hair appointments. And, um, and quickly it sort of, I get overwhelmed just looking at the family calendar. Oh, it's all this. Um, so I'm slowly sort of training her to say, okay, this is stuff that 
you kind of need and I kind of don't. <laughs> and this is stuff that we kind of need. So yeah, I'm I'm experimenting at the moment with something I heard Merlin Mann talking about a lot, which was a an a looking backwards calendar. Mm. So I'm I have a calendar where I put events on that have happened. So I had someone come and service the boiler the other day, and I've put that on the calendar sort of retrospectively, just so that when that inevitable moment comes, because I'm over 40 and I immediately go, when did I ask if the boiler checked? I can just search that calendar and I'll know. Um, and it gives me a little bit of reassurance about that sort of, well, famous to me anyway, famous um, not paying the car insurance uh, event. So I can put all those types of uh, events onto the log calendar, what, what was done when, particularly in Cyprus, where everything isn't done to a timetable, but rather sort of more approximately than that. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm going with that at the moment, but I'll be interested to hear how you get on with fantastic. Cause I think it is really, really clever, but I just got to the point of going, it, I don't think it's that clever when it came to the money. Yeah. It's, it's right on that balance of value for money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I've got a specific application with wanting to time block and the natural language really helping that. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'll, I'll sign up for a year and give it a shot and then, you know, uh, we'll see next year if I change this, it's, you know, we always change our stuff, don't we? Oh, we do. I mean, it's one of our problems, isn't it? But we should definitely talk about the intersection of calendars and tasks and the different ways of making those work, because I've been doing a lot of experimenting around there as well. I know you have, mm -hmm. and we should definitely swap notes on that. Yeah. That'd be interesting. All right, for this week though, what are you writing with? I am. Um, I got. I got a big pen out. I'm. I'm a bit bored now of these um, small nibs. So I, I got a big boy out abroad. Uh, this is my Pelican M805. So, um, with Pelican, the 05 means that the uh, trims are silver coloured rather than gold coloured. Um, I just prefer that aesthetically. I don't know why particularly. Uh, but I think blue and silver looks great. Mm -hmm. Um, this is the M805 blue dune, um, which has got a sort of, it's, it's not duney at all. It's more sort of oceany, but in the early nineties, they had a limited edition called blue ocean. So they couldn't call this one ocean, I think. So they called it blue dune. It's right. Well, it's a, it's an 800. So it's a big old pen. Um, not quite as big as the thousand, but still a chunky size pen. It's got a broad nib and I've put some, some Mont Blanc JFK in it, which is uh, blue as well. So there's a lot of blue going on. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, uh, Pelican nibs are just so reliable. Mm. And flexing with that JFK too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I'm writing, I'm, I'm literally writing my name <laughs> in the podcast notes at the moment, just be, to feel the ink going onto the page. Uh, I, I love this type of pen. This is my favorite. Not ideal if you're making quick notes on Tomorrow River paper, but um, if you're, <laughs> you know, if you're writing on something slightly more absorbent, shall we say, these are the pens to use. And you know, I'll get through this ink in a week, which is impressive given the size of that pen. <laughs> yeah, but that 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 nib, as you say, with a bit of flex, whoosh! Like <laughs> once the flow comes, out comes the ink. <laughs> what about you? What are you using? I am the complete opposite to you. I've gone to uh, Caveco. I've got the AC Sport, which is the aluminum mm -hmm. with carbon fiber inserts on it. <laughs> I was going to say it's the Go Faster Stripes one. Pretty much, yes. Uh, it is uh, orange with carbon fiber. It's lovely. Absolutely lovely. Small little pocket pen. I've just got a Mont Blanc cartridge. We're in a Mont Blanc mood, Stu. Notice we're both using the same ink. Yeah. I have the Royal blue because, well, you're flexing with the JFK and I don't have any left. So, but lovely, lovely pen. I get to write with this a lot longer than Stu does because I have an extra fine on this <gasps> and it is extra, extra fine, but a lovely little pocket pen. That'll see you into next year, I'd say. Probably. Yeah, definitely. But lovely, lovely little pen. I love the orange and the black and the carbon fiber. It's, it's a very lovely pen. Not quite as heavy as your brass one, so. I, I was going to say, I've just picked up, because my brass is almost constantly on the go, and I've just put in a, 
a purple cartridge into this. This is the um, this is the sensible one. This is my medium brass. I've got a double broad brass as well, which is a ridiculous pen. Um, like a little pocket pen with a double broad nib on it. It's um goes through a cartridge in about twenty minutes and a notebook in about ten. But um this this is the one that's got the dents from the BMW on it. And this will be in my pocket later when I go out for supper. <laughs> this one we were doing a little bit of estate planning. Having a wife with uh, cancer certainly changes uh, your view on things. Yeah. So focuses the mind. We were at the notary yesterday, and because you're at a notary, you need to have a nice pen. And I wanted something that uh, fit in my pocket nicely. So this was a good excuse for me to, to take this, ink it up with something new. Uh, before I always keep a Kaveco in my pocket, much like you. Uh, before I had the AL uh, in the blue, mm -hmm. there is a pre-beat-up version. I'm sure you've seen those. Okay, yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which is absolutely great. And by pre-beat-up version, you don't realize just how beat-up it gets from your pocket mm -hmm. until you actually unscrew it, and you can see the end is very beat-up, and the part that is under the cap is not quite as beat-up. Yeah. But it it's lovely in age. Yeah, it's the denim one, isn't it? It looks like yeah. denim. Yeah, exactly. And so I switched that out and put this uh, new one in there, and this will be my probably my daily carry until the new year. Yeah, yeah. Just, I'm enjoying my pens today. I don't know why that is. I, I'll, I'll focus now, Justin, I promise. Right, focusing. So, Stu, it's December already. You've got Christmas lights up. And 2022 is coming around the corner. So we're going to talk a little bit about year-end planning, review, and goal setting. Sort of getting a head start on thinking about what our processes are going to be. This week, we're going to focus on personal goal setting, personal productivity. We're going to talk about the joys, I think is a nice way to say it, of having to navigate traditional corporate goal setting next week, because that is a topic all of its own. But certainly for us, we're focused a lot on personal productivity. What is our process going to be? Stu, do you want to lead off with some thoughts on this? Sure. Um, okay. I've always, uh, done this. Um, I'm trying to think always as a silly thing as I probably didn't do as a toddler, but for as long as I can remember, I have taken what I call those, the dead days between the Christmas holiday and the new year's holiday mm -hmm. where, um, even if you go back to work, nobody else does, and nobody's really doing anything. Those, those really weird days. I've always used those as a time to reflect. And that's when my sort of year planning gets finalized because I've realized I need to do quite a lot of work to get to the point, uh, of having goals for a year. So, um, the last couple of years I've used somebody else's system, Sean Blanc of Sean Blanc media, the suite setup, mm -hmm. um, the focus course, I mean, a million and one links. I've used his, uh, plan your year. There you go. <laughs> There's a name that says what it does. Plan your year course, which is, it's a planner, um, both a digital one and, uh, an analog paper one. Uh, and he does workshops to accompany it as well. And there is a note in the show notes. There's a link in the show notes. That's the phrase I'm looking for, which is an affiliate link. So, uh, if you were to click on that and purchase one of these wonderful courses, then, well, I make millions, frankly, um, I'm probably going to buy a, an island in the Bahamas, something like that, um, and, and retire there. Well, indefinitely, uh, no, I see an affiliate links affiliate link. I'm couldn't even tell you how much money's coming. I don't think it's an enormous amount, but anyway, um, have a look. Um, it's, I use it every year. I'm, I'm doing it this year. Uh, I have in front of me, in fact, my analog planner, I've already downloaded mine. And it's what I love about Sean's approach is one that's very simple, uh, which I think is important. Um, and two, it breaks the system down or it breaks the process down into steps. Because I think the idea of what are my personal goals for next year is just such a big thing that it intimidates. Certainly used to with me, I used to think, oh, I can't think a year ahead. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing next week. And following the, the plan your year process, 
just very logically takes me through it. I mean, it's very straightforward. It's very simple. Um, you reflect on, on the year just gone or just going, celebrate the good, see what you can learn from the bad. And then you start thinking about next year, what's already in there. Oh yeah. Well, my sister's getting married in July. Okay. Better put that in the calendar. We're going on holiday in August. I'll put that in the calendar. You can begin to start mapping out what your, your year is going to look like. Uh, and then you get into looking at what you really want to achieve, what's your focus for the year. Um, and that then takes you down through to goals. And then finally you get to a, to a plan that you can enact. So actions, as Dave Allen would say, uh, I keep saying Dave Allen, who's a very good comedian, David, <laughs> the man behind GTD is who I'm referring to. I'm, I'm not sure I could ever think of David Allen as a Dave, you know? Yeah. I'm not sure he's a Dave. You're quite right. I, he doesn't look, strike me as a Dave. <laughs> but the Dave Allen I'm thinking of used to sit on a high stool with a glass of scotch in one hand and a, and a cigarette in the other. Um, and he was a very famous comic. You'll find him on YouTube. Very, very funny man. Um, and something that we just never do in the modern world, just the hair smoking away. A, I don't know what he was smoking, MC number six or something. Uh, a glass of scotch just musing on the world. Um, I, I don't think David Allen would do that either. Probably not. That's, that's the, the sort of process that I follow. Um, and I, what can I say? I find it incredibly useful. Mm -hmm. What about you, Justin? How do you approach this sort of prickly subject? Well, I, I have a traditional way, but one thing I will say is that I'm, I'm always open to improving the process. Uh, and the traditional way that I've been doing it, I've probably been doing it for five years uh, in a particular format. But what I did do is I actually signed up for the plan your year. There's a course coming up next week. Um, the PDF download that you can get of the plan your year process is, is part of that. So I've taken a quick look through it. I haven't sat down and worked through it. It's, uh, as you said, very, very guided. There's a series of questions to help you get to that action point. If you like someone else taking on that direction, then it certainly is a very, very good course for that. And I'm hoping that the idea of using that as well as my traditional system, I, I'm hoping to improve it, come up with something that really, really works for me because sort of thinking back on this year, this year has been, well, I'm going to call it a train wreck bit. That might be a little kind or unkind to train wrecks, to be honest with you, because uh, it could be a little worse than that for me. Um, the framework that I've used for the last number of years is based on the 12 week year, mm -hmm. which is a book by Brian Moran and Michael Lettington. Have you read that once too? I haven't, no, but it's going on the list. Oh God, I'm going to get crap for another book that Stu doesn't like. <laughs> Well, even if I liked it, I'll give you crap. <laughs> uh, the 12 week year is the idea behind it is that you take a year and instead of focusing on two or three big goals within a year, you condense that down to a quarter and you focus intensely on one or two items for that quarter. Mm -hmm. The idea, and I think we're going to talk about this a lot next year, is that if you look at the average goal setting, you see nothing for the first six months. Then you see a little bit of a bump where somebody's got perhaps a mid-year check-in coming up. And then around November, everybody looks at their year-end goals, particularly in a corporate setting, and says, oh, I haven't done anything. There is a giant spur to check those off because, you know, most corporate systems are tied into compensation and to pay raises and yada, yada, yada. And anyway, we'll talk about that a whole lot next year. The idea behind the 12 week year is that you really focus on one or two possible things in a very short period of time. But as part of that, they have a process that I've adopted and kind of brought out a little bit for my own yearly and quarterly planning. The key to it, I, I think, as, as Stu was just talking about in the Sean Blanc course, is I start with the review. And the review for me starts with core values. 
to make sure that my goals and what I'm focusing on are still aligned with core values. And, and for me this year, that has been very interesting. Obviously I've had a, a big move in the year. I've got, um, you know, some health challenges in the family. We've had some, some other challenges, you know, within the family. Looking at those core values has been a challenge to look at this and say, okay, here's my business, my jobby job, my hobby job side, and here's my personal side. Where are my core values and where did I fit in with those? You know, where has the stress been? Where has, where have I accomplished things? Where haven't I? And do those things actually fit in with the core values? And that's interesting and quite, um, it, it opens my mind to the fact that, you know, maybe I wasn't as productive as I wanted to be this year, but maybe the things that have come up and derailed my year in terms of pure productivity have aligned with my core values of family. And, you know, maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that's where it should be. And that's that sort of process, at least thinking about it now, I haven't sit down and done this process yet, but really thinking about that has given me permission to be a little bit less critical of myself, if you like. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we're, we're accidentally sort of going to exactly the same spot. I think that the key for me around setting goals is you could, it could be no surprise to anyone. I'm going to be banging on against priority again. If, if you achieve one key goal in a year and it was the right goal, then you've had a great year. And the trick I think is working out what's really important in life. And, you know, you've, you've referred to them as core values. That to me is, is the most important thing is working out actually what's important. It's so easy, you know, for you, for me to get caught up in one of our projects, one of our businesses and say, okay, this is something that I've got to get this done. I've got to get that done. I've got to get this done. I've got to get that, you know, and you can, you know, we can both do lists and we're both great at lists. And we're both great at delegating and you do that and you do this. And if you don't do this, then I'll do this. That's fine. That's part of running a business, right? But there's also that, you know, how do I want my life to look? Mm -hmm. And how do I want people to perceive me? How do I want my loved ones to think about me? Um, and these are the kind of areas that I've been sort of getting into with, with, um, Sean's help. And I found it incredibly challenging. I've got to be honest. Um, one thing I'm not very good at is sort of looking into myself and going, hang on, what am I actually doing? Because I find it so much easier to get caught up in those lists and those projects and say, okay, here, look, I'm going to make this business really successful. I'm going to make that business really good. And I'm going to do this. And those sort of outward external things. And. As I sort of turned 50, I realized they're not quite as important <laughs> as I thought they were. And that there are many, many things, aspects of my life that are as important, if not more important. And facing up to those and working out how to treat those as I might treat a business objective, um, has been really eye opening for me and, you know, working out who I want to be, how I want to be perceived, where I want my time and effort to go. I wrote a blog post about this week. You can see it at the usual spot, stuartlennon.com, enumerating how many weeks I've likely got left on the planet. And so, um, next year's plan is 52 of those weeks. Now for you young folk out there, I've probably got less weeks than you, um, if things unfold as one might naturally uh, expect them to. And it's a great way of focusing the mind of looking at how many weeks we're spending. And I'm not entirely sure how many of my priorities for next year are going to be corporate. I think there may be, um, a lot more personal stuff in there. And I think that's going to be echoed around the world as part of the response to the pandemic. Quite apart from Justin and I having our midlife crises, <laughs> I think everybody else is looking at you know, the great resignation in, in the States, that's, that is a phenomenon that's being driven by this pandemic and people assessing what they want from life. And I, this is a great opportunity to do that. 
And I think, you know, it, one thing we might consider, Justin, is perhaps revisiting this next week. If we've both been through Sean's workshops, it might be, might be worth chatting about then, or perhaps the week after once we've reflected them up early in the new year maybe yeah i i think like you i'm going to spend a lot of time over the quarter time of christmas on this mm. and certainly i think touching into the new year and coming back to where we are though i think it's it'll probably be part of our follow-up uh for the next couple of episodes as we sure. think about this because i'm sure like you i'm so i'm starting to think about this now yeah and this is you know even though i may not sit down with a pen to paper because well, I still do all this analog. I will be sort of thinking about this, particularly this review part of that uh, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the next part of the system that I do mm. is to identify all current roles and responsibilities and additional commitments. I'm not sure if uh, you do anything like this, Stu, but I find it incredibly liberating to actually put everything that I've committed to do on paper because then you have a choice of whether you're what are you going to do about it things come up in the year such as a new podcast with my friend from cyprus that become an additional commitment mm -hmm. that you perhaps haven't thought about last year you know it was not was it on my strategic goal for me actually it was this was something i've wanted to do for a while but the idea that you slide into new roles and responsibilities and at some point you need to take stock for those and i think the year end is a perfect time for this for sure three questions i've heard these before i know mike schmidt uh, focus podcast talks about this a lot and i'm not sure where i got them whether i got them from him or whether i got them from the 12 year i think i got them from 12 year and he probably got them from the same place but if my attribution is incorrect i do apologize the three questions which i think are very valuable and really go back into the current roles and responsibilities what should i start doing what should i keep doing and what should i stop doing and that is incredible for just giving you clarity. I'm not talking about what goals are at this point, just looking at where does my time go and what value I'm getting out of that. How does that fit into my, my core values? How does that fit into where I think I want to be, of who I want to be? They're deep questions. They take a little bit of time. They take a little bit of soul searching. Mm -hmm. But I think they have a lot of value to them. I think they certainly do. And I think, you know, the, the third one is the key one. Uh, there'll always be lots of things that you can start. There's always lots of things that you're doing that you're enjoying and that just become part of your routine. You're like me, if it's in the calendar, it happens. It's sort of automatic. The, the key one, the challenge for, I, I think probably for try that word again, multi-potentialites like us is what should I stop doing? Mm -hmm. And that's the hard one. That's the one that you have to challenge yourself. For me, for example, it's like, should I be playing golf? How much enjoyment am I getting from golf? Golf, as some people will note, <laughs> is a very slow game. There's a long time commitment playing golf. And that's, that's the sort of thing that I, I do every year. I sit down and say, should I be doing that? Should I be doing this? Should I be doing that? Um, and it's, it's difficult. Do you make a point of stopping anything? I, I know I've heard this on some other thought processes and, and people that are going through using these is that they try to look at something in their life that they want to stop doing every time they do this review. Is that something that you've kind of looked at to, because we are always tending to grow roles and responsibilities, whatever that is. Is there, is there anything like that that you pick or is that just, um, making sure you're in line with the core values and that you've at least reviewed those? I, I think it's, it's all about a dose of realism. So, uh, there are many, many things that I want to do, uh, in terms of books, I want to write podcasts that I want to do, um, blog posts that I want to write corporate things that I want to do family things that I want to do. Um, and there's only a certain amount of time in the day. I don't know about you. Well, I do know about you at no point are you sitting down now going, Look, I've got six hours spare in my week. What am I going to do with it, I wonder? <laughs> you know what's funny, Stu? I, I had a night two nights ago, where Wednesday night here, that I did not have anything to do 
on my schedule. Uh -huh. I had no podcasts. I had no, uh, like it, it was completely free time. There was absolutely nothing to do. And I didn't know what to do with my time. I, I ended up spending some quality time with my wife, mm -hmm. but I, and that was very valuable, but I felt guilty because I didn't have anything to do. And we ended up, we ended up watching TV together. Yeah. That's, mm, that, that's a separate thing. <laughs> it was, it was just the weirdest thing. And I realize, you know, when, when I'm looking at this, what should I start doing? What should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? I don't, I can't remember the last time I have had an evening that I've had no commitments at all, mm, which is for sure. It says something about the lifestyle that we are leading at the moment when you feel weird when you actually have a stop. Very weird. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the thing about modern life, if I can use that sort of trite old phrase, is that it's very, very easy for us to book every hour because you can book those hours online now. I mean, you know, you and you and I are what nine time zones apart. Yeah. You can find ways of filling every single hour. So the workshop that we're talking about, you know, it'll be early morning for you, it'll be late at night for me, or it'll probably be lunchtime for you and late at night for me. Um, it's easy to fill all those hours. And then as you say, feel guilty when you're not doing perhaps the most important thing, which is just sitting there and being yourself with your family. That's probably the most important thing you do. Mm -hmm. And it's the most important thing that I do. But somehow we've created a world where we feel guilty for doing the most important thing. And that's what this whole process is about. It's about saying, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. I want to have three nights a week that are 100% dedicated to my family. If Stuart calls, I won't answer. I'm not interested. I'm with my family. How am I going to make that happen? To make that happen for you or for me, we'd have to stop doing something. Pretty much. And that's where the challenge is. That's, that's, you know, that dose of realism saying, okay, I want to do this. I want to do, I want to write, uh, I want to get Sean finished and I want to write another book next year. Okay. I am going to have to liberate some time because, uh, these books are not getting written because I don't want to write them. They're getting, not getting written as quickly as I would like because I'm doing other things with my time. So if I want to start redirecting that time, something has to go. <laughs> it's just. It's just math. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, do you use goal setting at all? Uh, the next part of my process that I go through is to start from a five-year vision for my goals and then work backwards <laughs> down to sort of a one-year goal. It was, it was actually funny. I was looking at a goal I had from a few years ago. I was doing a little bit of researching of what my goal was. And a couple of years ago, I had got a long-term vision to sort of semi-retire up to the interior of BC. Oh. Uh, ironically, the next city over from where I am now. And somehow that actually happened from, you know, a goal that was a, you know, sort of a, a, a goal in the future of where I wanted to go, long-term vision. And here we are now. So those things I guess sort of work out that way, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange for me. I'm just wondering, do you do any goals like that? Uh, a vision work backwards. How, how do you deal with, with your sort of goal settings do? Yeah. I mean, I used to, but I, I do it now very vaguely. I think, um, I suppose that's a factor of age. It's a factor of wisdom. He said humbly. Life, as you, you and I both know, um, tends to unfold in unexpected ways. And certainly I think the sort of death knell for my five-year plans were, uh, uh, was getting married. Um, because <laughs> uh, many people will say the same thing. However, not in the company of their spouse. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, Sean and Isaac, all the guys at, um, Sean Paul Media, they, they do these things as a couple. Mike Schmitz does it, you know, they, they do it as a, as a family together. And so I think that makes some, some sense trying to get my wife to commit to a five-year plan. It's just utter nonsense. It just looks at me and goes, no. So, um, my wife is often heard to express the following sentiments. 
Uh, yeah, Cyprus, I love it here, but I don't want to die here. Mm. Oh, do you want to go back to England? Certainly not. One thing I know about coming to Cyprus is that I don't want to go back to England. Now, I'm in the background going, okay, so need to facilitate international move at some point in the next five to 10 years. Right. And so I then go into to Hunter Mood. Like, okay, so where where would you be considering? Okay, can we have a short list? Could, you know, I'm I'm always getting TJ esque. I'm going to get a, a spreadsheet out, make a plan. And so I did. I called her bluff. I said, okay, right, boom, 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 boom. Five years from now, we're going to go move in, move to Sicily. And I started uh, choosing towns, <laughs> which were all quite close to golf courses. It covers a huge surprise to everyone. <laughs> And so, and you know, started that that whole process. At which point, all mention of moving to Italy was, was ceased from my wife. No, no, I, I like it here. And and now, curiously, as the year is coming towards the end, I'm I'm hearing talk again of, mm, yeah, I like Cyprus, but I wouldn't want to die here. Uh, so yeah, that that was the end of my five year planning. I I keep things in my mind purely. I, I think it's because I'm lazy, Justin. I'm thinking. I've probably got one move left in me. I don't particularly want to do another, another three international moves. I, um, I don't know if I can be bothered, to be honest. Um, now, as we've discussed on other episodes, my approach to this is generally to say, right, I'm doing nothing. So you, sir, yes, yes, I have money. This is my house. Make all of this stuff reappear in a destination over there somewhere. No, I, that, that's the extent of my input. Give me a bill. Thank you very much. Um, but even doing that, the, you know, that muscle is, you know, you're living with boxes. <laughs> I was just thinking about my poor last Christmas decorations. <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure I could do several. Packed nicely by somebody else. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be doing um, five-year goals, but I, I do tend to think sort of in, certainly corporate-wise I do, um, but we'll talk about that next week. And, you know, big life things like, okay, am I still going to be in Cyprus in five years? The best I can get to is, you know, 50-50. Because the bottom line is if, if, if my wife turns around and says she wants to go move to England, we're moving to England. Because she'll make my life a living hell if we don't. So um, it's, you know, it's pretty straightforward. And, and she's not into those sort of, you know, five-year commitments in her mind. Just doesn't really work for her. So there you go. By uh, speaking of moving, my wife and I were at the notary yesterday, figuring out our wills and our mm -hmm. last wishes and all the rest of that. Yep. And I think after this move, it took a lot out of us. I don't know how you do it, but you know, we're, I'm not the mover type, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. And so we were discussing, you know, what would you like to do with your estate once you're gone? Sure. And my, my question was, can I just bury a sea can in the back of my uh, yard here and put all of my stuff in it. That way I don't have to think about it. Bury me along with all of my toys. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah, there's no reason you can't, old boy. I mean, you might need to put some money aside because it'd be quite a big hole. <laughs> it, was, it was funny. The look that I got from the poor notary was like, are you serious? And <laughs> part of me was, because it's like, you know, how are you going to dispose of all the things, you know, that you have? Uh, I'm a collector, Stu. Did you know that? I have a lot of stuff. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, just think of it as a way to torture someone, Justin. You can make it all someone else's problem. Ah, this is true. Yeah, if my daughter wants to have the house, she's got to work hard for it. She's got to get rid of all of my stuff first. I, I could just imagine, you know, the the there's a joke in in some of the uh, motorcycle communities that I'm part of, and the joke is. The biggest fear that I have is when I die, my wife's going to sell my bike and the parts for all of the stuff I told her I paid for them. <laughs> yeah, there's variations on that theme, particularly with golf. My, my wife thinks that I need 34 clubs to play golf. <laughs> anyway, uh, the goals for me start as a long-term vision. I work backwards to more recent goals. It's a vision. It's not a goal necessarily. But what I use that for is a way to identify habits that I need to develop to improve, to meet my goals. You know, let's say my goal, which, you know, has been for the last number of years is to get a little bit fitter, uh, to lose a few pounds, um, to be a little bit more healthy. That is habits. 
how am I going to get there? Well, if nothing changes, I'm going to stand on the scale at the end of the year and, well, nothing has changed. I'm still going to be in my COVID sweatpants. How do I develop habits to meet those goals and how can I implement those? How can I fit them into my life? And then more than anything else, I schedule them. And that's something that, you know, is very important and, you know, perhaps something I might need to do more than yearly uh, to get that. And that's sort of how I identify the goals rather than the goals themselves as a task, their habits to direct my life in terms of those goals. And I think that's been fairly effective for me. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, habits are, uh, was it James Clear, isn't it? There's just written the sort of the current definitive text, but yeah. Um, if, if you don't take action, nothing will change. Pretty much. Uh, the last part, two parts that I do of my, of my system is I reevaluate my current routines. Uh, basically I'm looking at my habits and what I do, do they make sense? Are they, you know, are we doing things just because we're doing them or do they actually lead us to where we need to go? And then this is the best part of the process. And I think it's the one that people miss. Absolutely. When you've gone through this, celebrate your successes, even if your life has fallen apart, an unscheduled move, a wife with cancer, some challenge, other challenges in my life that I don't really want to reveal publicly. There's been some successes, you know, we've grown as a family, we've done things like that. You know, I've, I've managed to move and retain the job and, you know, that in itself in this era of the great resignation is something that is worthy of success celebrating, you know, starting a podcast with Stu, uh, there's a lot of things in there that I can look back on. And certainly as I go through this process and really get into some details here, I want to take some time to really celebrate the successes planned or unplanned, because mm -hmm. that's going to set you off in a way of looking at the year in a very positive note. Yeah. Something that I don't think a lot of people do when they're looking at goals. Yeah, I mean, I, I cannot stress how important I think this is. Um, and I, I, I say it because I've been so bad at it historically and recently have learned what, which should be glaringly obvious, but never was to me. So when I was, um, sort of deeply ingrained in my own business. So, so the, the, the money business that I had, my partner and I we were both very driven. Um, we both had lofty aims goals, you know, all the stuff that we're going to talk about next week. And it's, it's an absolute function of business that you look at all the things you missed. So you've got 10 targets and you hit two of them and you go, well, we hit that. That's cool. You hit that. That was cool. Now, number three, what went wrong here? And so begins 25 minute discussion of what went wrong. And then you move on to number four and what went wrong and number five. And if you're setting yourself stiff targets, you, you shouldn't hit them. If you hit them all, then they were too easy. So as a consequence of that, I looked at back at years and was, oh, you know, we missed that. We missed that. And we were so close to that. And we were doing so well. And look, I've got to do better next year. And that was the feeling I was carrying with me. And it was actually, it was actually Margaret who sat there and said, okay, what was your salary at the start of the year? And what's your salary now at the end of the year? My partner and I used to award each other salaries. <laughs> it was a fairly, fairly simple, simple game for us, but it had moved up significantly because the business had done well and we'd agreed that we would pay each other more. And so it was like, okay, so you've nearly doubled your salary. Um, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose I have. How do you think most people would feel about that? Yeah. Okay. All right. I see your point. Now. End of year bonus. Are you paying each other an end of year bonus? Um, uh, yeah, quite a big one actually. Right. And how do you think other people would feel about getting paid a bonus like that? And she just took me through the whole sort of reverse of the process where you focus not on the things that haven't gone well, but focus on what has gone well. And as you just pointed out, Justin, outside of all the things that you would normally measure, it's so easy to skate over the things so i looked at um at 2020 
and thought, okay, well, how are, th- how are things going for me? How have they gone for me? Oh, uh, well, you know, I didn't really get much done. Oh, hang on. My wife was in bed for months. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So what happened then? Well, do you know what? I coped. I did all the cooking. I did all the cleaning. I looked after her as best I could. I'm no nurse. I'll be honest. (laughs) I got her up on her feet. The dogs were okay. The world kept turning and there was a little, um, there was some sort of bug going about some sort of virus thing that was all going on where many, many people have had huge struggles and difficulties with that touch wood. Yeah, I managed. Okay. You have to go back and find these positives because they won't necessarily naturally jump out at you. But if you're sitting at the end of 2021 with a degree of financial stability um, and the ability to look forward to 2022, you're doing a lot better than an awful lot of people. And we naturally, I think, we tend to forget that. And that's why it's absolutely important that you celebrate success. And, you know, even to the extent of saying, do you know what? I'm going to buy myself something. I'm going to buy my partner something. I'm going to buy something for the house, but something that goes, do you know what? This year was all right. And if you do that, then I think you have more chance of pivoting and being more realistic about what your next year should be about. So I think it's an absolutely, I, I put it at the other end of this, of your framework there. The first thing that I do yeah. is review and celebrate. Definitely. Excellent stuff. And I think that ties into my, my takeaway for this episode, which is the most important part of setting up a plan for next year is the review because patterns do repeat. You need to build out the habits that are going to drive your success for the upcoming year. But review is really that most important part. And as Stu said, part of that is finding and celebrating those successes. If you could start identifying them early in the process of your goal setting for next year, I think you're going to be focusing on the right things and, you know, certainly celebrating success is part of that. Stu, any takeaways for you from this discussion? Uh, the takeaway for me as, um, you know, again, very straightforward, it, do it. Um, planning a year can seem like a huge thing. It can seem like a big commitment. Um, and you do need to put some time into it, but put some time aside, just like with, you know, planning your day, five minutes at the start of the day can save you two hours. Likewise, taking a few hours at the start of the year can, can transform your year because there is nothing less productive than climbing the ladder on the wrong wall. And that's a butchered quote that comes from David Allen's work. I believe that's uh, Stephen Covey, actually, that uh, thought of that. Stephen Covey, there we go. Back from the Seven Habits back in the 80s, early 90s, whenever that was. There you go. Well, if it came from the 80s, it must be right. That was the decade that gave you Duran Duran. Um, it's, it's really, really important just to take this time. I find it very daunting myself because I find it very challenging to look at not necessarily the corporate things, but you know, who am I? Um, you know, what's, what's happening to me spiritually, what's happening to me emotionally, where am I with my family? Those are things that I generally avoid thinking about. Now, perhaps somebody can give you therapy as to why that might be, but taking this time to do that really, really helps me. Maybe we can get a discount on group therapy because I think I have some of those same issues myself. <laughs> ah, it kind of goes with the territory of people that uh, focus too much on productivity. All right, Stu, where can people find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, I mean, if if you go <laughs> if you're listening on the day of release, you can probably find both of us. A plan your year course and the sweet, the sweet setup. <laughs> uh, hurry now! If not, you can find me at. Uh, Stu Lennon on Twitter or at stuartlennon.com. What about you? Where can people find you, Justin? You can find me at JJ Twyford on Twitter. I'm at justintwyford.com. And occasionally I write at uh, Write Experience. I'm just going through at the moment and playing with the Diamine Ink Vent Calendar, which is absolutely lovely. Anyway, that's a topic for another 
day. If you have any comments or thoughts, feel free to email us stationary adjacent at gmail.com. Please like and review us on your podcast catch of choice. And we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next episode, as we've teased, is going to be talking about planning from a business perspective. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.